Good to have you at Seneca Church Online. We're glad to have you tuning in when there are so many options. Seneca Community Church is all about making a difference in people's lives, wherever they are, through leading people to a growing relationship with God through Christ. We want to help you wherever you are to take your next step towards Him and in Him, knowing God more personally. For some, that may be pointing you to what faith could mean for your life, and for others, it may be taking one more step on the path of faith you've been on for quite some time. Today's message was designed in prayer and thought to hopefully do just that. Please take the opportunity to listen and maybe sing along to the three songs Mariah chose for today. You can access them by clicking on the little white circle with an I in it, usually on the upright hand side. Those choices were picked to open and direct your heart to a God who loves you. Just don't rush by them or skip them as you, one might not be your favorite. Allow the words to wash over your soul, your heart. Often they speak to my heart and prepare me to hear what God wants to say to me through the message. Before we get started, know your leadership team, staff, and volunteer staff continue to discuss and pray what it will look like to resume meeting in person. We are trying to balance our desire to gather with health in mind. This may not be reassuring, but there are so many theories on COVID and regathering at each level of government that we are hopefully in a holding pattern. But be encouraged, God has a plan for us, and at the right time, he will make it known. He has us in his hand, whether we gather in person or in spirit or even through technology. Please continue to pray as we think through when and what our first in-person gathering will look like. First and foremost, we want to honor God, our federal, state, and local government leaders, and of course you. Know you are loved and prayed for. We are thankful that our church is always open as we move in the midst of our community and world, looking for ways to be difference makers. Thank you in advance for your continued prayer, generosity, and desire to touch people's lives in creative ways. Please join me in prayer before we get started. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you that we can gather through technology this morning. Lord, we just ask that you would continue to have our hearts open. Uh, we do pray for our difference makers that are around the world. And we ask that uh, in this time of uncertainty, you would truly be a part of their lives and guarding their hearts as you guard our hearts. Again, we pray for our families that are still uh, navigating what it's like to do homeschooling, uh, and we pray that uh, for the businesses that have had to pull back, scale back, or close for a time being, uh, we think of those that uh, are out of work. And Lord, no matter what situation we all find ourselves in, we just ask that you would, uh, we would find your grace sufficient for whatever our needs are. We thank you and ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
almost no one wants to hear they're going in the wrong direction, even when they are going in the wrong direction, just like these guys. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you, thanks a lot. We've all been there. Hopefully not to that extent, but probably more like this. You let me drive from the Ben and Jerry factory, and I was supposed to give this to Montpelier. And Britain decides to take a nap, and I'm in my zone, so happy. I'm singing, I'm having fun, I'm loving my tunes, I'm loving this little smart car we're in. And I'm looking at all the signs, being like, okay, Montpelier, Montpelier. I see all these signs, and I don't notice Montpelier. And so Britt wakes up from his nap, and we're what, 30 minutes away? We're 30 minutes away from Montpelier in the wrong direction. He was not happy, and then he starts going back into like the stereotypes, like saying why he doesn't let me drive, which is like really rude. And then we um, get to Montpelier, and I was like, wait, I totally remember looking at those signs. But it said Benvenu, is that it? Something in French. But I remember as we were driving by, I was just being like, that's weird. Why is that sign in French? So, I missed it because I read the sign, but I only read the French part. Then I totally missed the part above that said Montpelier. So, kind of wasted an hour of our vacation driving, but I had a good time. Have you ever been there? I know Cindy and I have been in those situations, but usually it's because we're in high, stressful traffic and we're trying to figure out where we're going and we're going in the wrong direction and we can't easily change lanes and we find ourselves in that place and I really want to know that we're going in the wrong direction because I want to correct that. Usually when you're on a car trip like that, you're worried about wasting time. Well, the same can be true in our regular day life, in our spiritual life, that we can be traveling in the wrong direction. We can be, in a sense, on the wrong road, and we don't really want to hear about it. We don't want to know that we're on the wrong road. This week, we're getting close to wrapping up our series, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus On, uh, the Sermon on the Mount for today, and trying to figure out how that speaks into our lives for 2020. And as we continue to walk through that, as he starts to wind things down, he gets to this place where he starts to say to us, are you on the right road? And it doesn't matter who you are that question, that idea, that concept applies to all of us. We have to ask ourselves, are we on the right road? Robert Frost, that well-known American poet who was a must-read for anybody, especially who lived north of Boston where he spent most of his time. I think actually one time in high school we had one of his grandsons as a substitute teacher. He, he writes these words about the right road and the roads of life. This is what he writes. He writes, two roads diverged in a wood, 
and I took the one less traveled by. And that made all the difference. You see, Robert Frost is realizing that there are these moments in time where you and I have to figure out whether we are on the right road, whether we're going in the right direction. Now, there are those moments that are the big moments of life, uh, who we're going to marry, if we're going to get married, college, job, direction. There's those big things, uh, saying yes to Jesus, becoming a Christ follower. There are those roads we have to decide on. But there's also the smaller roads, the roads that aren't as long, but they still play into our destination, where we're traveling. And sometimes we can get off the main road and get onto these side roads that are actually going to help us get to a place we really don't want to be. And as Jesus wraps up on the Sermon on the Mount, he is looking at us and he's saying, which road are you on and are you traveling in the right direction? The Apostle Paul, someone who was the most anti-Christian person at the time, and then he got on a different road, speaks to us and says, take a look at your life. This is what he exactly says. He says, look closely at yourselves. Test yourselves to see if you are living in the faith. Don't you realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Of course, if you fail the test, he's not in you. And what Paul is saying to us is we need to regularly take a look at ourselves, a, a close look at ourselves, and see what direction we're traveling. We need to ask ourselves, are we a Christ follower or not? We need to ask ourselves, what kind of Christ follower are we? In the Sermon on the Mount, this is the way Jesus says, if you turn over to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14, we read Jesus' word. He's saying the same kind of thing. What road are you on and in what direction are you traveling in? Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. As we start to unpack what Jesus is saying, we're going to try to uh, interact with three ideas. And here they are. The first one is this. Where's the road lead? Where's the road going? What the roads are? What do they look like? What do they feel like? And lastly, why the roads lead us there? So let's start with that first question, where the road leads us. Now, in those two verses, 13 and 14, Jesus really surprises us with the language that he uses. Because what he does is he takes positive words and he uses them in a negative setting. First of all, he uses the word narrow, which narrow means to crush, squash, suffocate. So he's saying narrow is the gate. And that, that's, a, that's a negative word. But as we unpack this, we're going to see in a sense that that actually turns into a 
positive word. None of us, none of us like to be usually in small places. We feel confined. We, we feel like we're suffocating. Every once in a while in, in my house, all of a sudden I hear a yell, and it's usually Mariah, and she's encountered a spider or some kind of bug. And I have to say, spiders are my specialty. So I get up and, and go up to go take care of this spider. And what I do to the spider is I narrow it by stepping on it, by mushing it. it is, it's, that spider has been narrowed to death. So when Jesus starts to use this word, usually narrow means less, means suffocating. In New Hampshire, there's this place called the Polar Caves. I think every state has these places. And at the Polar Caves, they have this thing called the Lemon Squeeze. And this is just the entrance into it. And then you have to get in there, and you have to crawl down and up, and it is tight. And not too many people enjoy being in that space. So as Jesus starts to make this distinguishing uh, comments about what road we're on, where we're traveling, he uses the idea of narrow, which narrow is negative, but he's going to put a twist on it, and we'll see that in a few minutes. When I also think of narrowing, I, I think of this scene from the first Star Wars movie, and it is narrowing, and they are in danger of being smushed. We've had some problems. Will We all have our favorite dumpster scene where someone gets in a dumpster, is in a car crusher, and all of a sudden it's happening. They're getting ready to be narrow, narrowed. Narrowing is not a good thing. Then Jesus also uses the word broad. Broad means spacious, freedom, wide spaces, lots of oxygen. So Jesus is using these two words, narrow, which means to crush, to diminish, broad, which means to be spacious. If we were to go back into the Old Testament, I just have a couple passages here where the idea of space and oxygen and freedom just get projected out to us. In Exodus 3.8, we sit here referring to Israel's uh, deliverance from Egypt. I have come down to help, this is God, to pry them loose from the grip of Egypt, to get them out of that country and bring them into a good land with wide open spaces, a land lush with milk and honey. Again, the idea that broad is better, it's freedom, God speaks about freeing his people from Egypt and getting them into open spaces. Another psalmist writes this. He says, don't dump me, God, my God. Don't stand me up. Don't, don't leave me alone. Stay with me. Hurry and help me. I want some wide open space in my life. 
We're going to see a twist in this. Jesus is using words and he switches them around with their meaning. In 2 Peter, Peter writes this, part of verse 9 says, he's giving everyone space and time to change. You and I, if we're following Christ, or thinking about following Christ, it's a wonderful thing to know that Jesus, God, accepts us where we're at, and then he gives us time and space to change. There's broadness. But Jesus, in a sense, turns it all upside down. The twist is this. A positive word for the wrong way. Broadness. And such a negative word for the right way, narrowness. You see, our bottom line as we move through this is this. It's the broad way leads to the narrow way. And the narrow way leads to the broad way. It's like that flip around where Jesus will talk about uh, lose your life, gain your life. Hold on to your life, lose your life. So the broad way leads to the narrow way. It needs to suffocation. It needs to being crushed. It leads to separation from God. And we'll talk about some of the degrees of that. And yet the narrow way leads to fullness. It leads to actual life. It leads to broadness. In Matthew 10, 39, we read, all who seek to live apart from me will lose it all. But those who let go of their lives for my sake and surrender it all to me will discover true life. Usually, or often, when you and I think of following Christ, especially in the early days, we think about following Christ is going to narrow life. It's going to suffocate life. Some of us have held back from saying yes to Christ because we're afraid of that. We're afraid of the ramifications. This means my life is going to get closed in around me. It narrows life. And Jesus is going to show us that following him, being all in with him, starts maybe at a narrowing part, but it actually brings broadness to life. Not just eternity broadness, but broadness here and now. And the same, too, is with, with the broad that narrows. We're going to see that some of us can be Christ followers and still travel the broad way that narrows. That doesn't mean our salvation is at risk, but what it does mean is that the things in our life are narrowing life, are suffocating life, are taking the life out of us. And all of us who have followed Christ have had those seasons in life where we've, in a sense, gone the broad way. And instead of it being liberating, instead of it being freeing, instead of it bringing a lasting joy, it might bring moments of happiness, it actually suffocates us. It causes more problems. And as Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, he's drawing this parallel that is two kinds of people. There's, there's two approaches to the spiritual life. And these two approaches either turn into narrowness and crush us, or they turn into broadness and free us. 
The life that looks broad leads to something that suffocates and destroys. That word destroys, that, that word destruction can apply to two situations. It can apply to destruction as in eternal destructions, separation from God, damnation in hell. And again, we don't like to always talk about that. Those aren't happy thoughts. But Jesus is saying that a broad life that narrows leads to destruction. And many are in that, on that road heading that way, and they're going to find that they're separated from eternity, separated from God through eternity, and that means hell, and hell is not a fun place. Hell is not a place you want to be for eternity. But also that word destroys or destruction means destroying life. There are a number of stories in the Bible, the scriptures, where someone who uh, was a follower of God but chose to go the broad way destroys life. And the life gets sucked out of them. So the broad way, at first glance, it looks great, but it diminishes, it narrows, it crushes. Then there is the life that looks narrow, that leads to wide open spaces and freedom. Many times when I, in a sense, say yes to Christ and there's some issue in my life where I'm not living in alignment with him, it seems like it's narrowing my choices, narrowing the possibilities. And when I finally, hopefully not with a lot of energy, finally surrender to the narrow way, and I get into that narrow way, I all of a sudden find that my life is in a wide open space with freedom. Freedom for my soul, and really freedom for the consequences of my life. Doesn't mean that there's no problems, but it does mean that when I follow Christ's lead in my life, even though that narrows, that opens possibilities. When I find that I'm being honest doing my taxes, that narrows, but it brings freedom. I don't have to worry about getting audited. When I am faithful to my spouse, that narrows, but now I have a special relationship with my spouse marked by faithfulness and joy and trust. When God tells us to do everything in life unto him, do things well, with excellence, doing things well, and all of a sudden that seems to narrow because we're not going to slack off and kind of dog it a little bit. All of a sudden, on the other side of it, it opens up life. For those of us who are students or have been students, you can remember the narrowness of studying for the test the next day. And normally, when you and I narrowed our life, following God's lead, doing our best with who we are, it narrows, but then on the other side of it, it expands. It's like uh, my daughter's car, Mariah. She has a 2011 Tiguan Volkswagen. Used to be my car. Now it's hers, and it, it's tiny. Didn't think it was tiny when I bought it, but as I've looked at it, it, it is tiny. And, and here's a picture of it, uh, and uh, that's, that's kind of the way it looks. But what's interesting is inside that car, it has this huge sunroof. They call it a panoramic view. 
And when you get in that car, because of that, it looks so much larger. Watch this. little screen was the coolest thing in that car. I just like to get in there and push that button and go, mm, mm. but I tell you, when that screen is closed, it feels tight. When the screen is open, that car feels a lot larger. You see, when it comes to the narrowness of following Christ, it opens up into a panoramic view, not just for heaven, but in the here and now completely different than what you and I would be expecting. So the next thought is this. What the roads are. What are the, the roads about? Uh, what are you and I to be doing? Well, the roads, you talk about the broad way, the narrow way, and, and uh, really the narrow way is more of a gate and it broadens up. The broad way is a gate and then it starts narrowing. But when we think about this, when most of us growing up in church thought of this passage, we thought of it bad people versus good people. People that weren't interested in God, weren't praying. Back in verse 12, it says, So whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. As we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, again, there is two different approaches to spirituality. When you look at the Pharisees, they prayed a lot. The Pharisees even took care of poor people. They went to church all the time. But something was different. That was the road they were on. So when Jesus is talking about these two roads, these two different approaches, he's not talking about horrible, mean, wicked people, the people that wake up in the morning going, ha, ha, I can't wait to make someone's life miserable. He's not talking about those people. He's talking about people that kind of go through the motions, that if you were to look at their outside life, you might not see much difference from the two groups, the two approaches. They're doing church stuff. They're doing God stuff. Uh, they're practicing the, the golden rule. And even in a case, I, I have to say this, if the, if the broad was because it was broad, because it was all these bad people, but I don't know if we could fill up highways and highways with them. Most people I meet, those who aren't following Christ, actually some of my friends that uh, don't even think God exists, they're actually pretty good people. They're the person that would help you out. They're the person that I can call in the middle of the night, and uh, one of them in particular, he would get on a plane and come up and help me. Earlier on in the Sermon on the Mount, as he's getting started, says this, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And when we talk about kingdom of heaven or God's kingdom. We talk about God's rule in our hearts first, and then it's the rule of God throughout eternity. Narrow is the gate, and then broad is the way. So when you think of narrow and broad and you think of narrowing, what Jesus is saying is, is his way, that road, is narrow as the gate. 
and a lot of us, uh, you know, have to really wrestle with this, but really following Christ is, is a narrowing thing. Because I'm going to be forthright with you and say that Jesus himself, and, and I buy into this, if Jesus said it, that kind of settles it. If someone dies and rises again and there's hundreds and hundreds of witnesses, uh, you know, I think he knows what's going on. But Jesus says um, that, that he is the way. He says, I am the way and the truth and life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's a narrow idea. That's not that just people that are good, people that are nice. He says, I am the way. So when you and I are thinking about spiritual approaches to life, just because someone's wonderful, I'm, I'm thankful that they're wonderful, there is a difference. Jesus is making this distinction that there are people that go through the narrow gate, that is his gate, his good news, his death, burial, resurrection, his forgiveness of sin. They go through that narrow gate, and then life starts to broaden up. And there are those that, that say, no, you know, as long as you're you know, sincerely a nice person, you're on the broad road, but what's going to happen, Jesus is saying, is you start through this broad gate, and all of a sudden it starts to narrow. But small is the exit and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. That direction to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Now, a lot of times when we think of the narrow way that opens up to freedom, we think of the reason that it's, it's hard. Some translations use the word, it's a hard way, is because it's, it's for the disciplined people. And that's really what Jesus is not getting at. He's not saying just because you're extremely disciplined, that makes it hard. Because again, a lot of people who have a, a spiritual approach to life, they're disciplined. They try to do the right thing. They try to follow the golden rule. Most people that I meet do want to be nice neighbors and all of that. Uh, that that's what they're doing. But he's saying that it, it's a narrow entry, but then it becomes a focus. You see, the gate is first, then there's the road. On the other side, the road is first, and then there's the gate. The broad is the gate, and then narrow is the way. It becomes narrow. It becomes uh, suffocating. In verse 13, don't look for shortcuts. For the wide exit has a broad road which leads to disaster, and there are many people going that way. They think that... Uh, it isn't through Christ and Christ alone. So they go on the broad way. And then they're going to find that when they get through that broad gate, life starts to narrow. Like we said earlier, a lot of times when we approach Christ, we think that it's going to strangle life. It's going to limit our options. Where Christ says completely the opposite in John 10, 10, we read Jesus saying this, I came so that they can have life, a real life and eternal life, more and better than they ever dreamed of. So that's what the roads are. There's a road that uh, starts through a narrow gate, very narrowing, Christ and Christ alone. But then as you go through that gate, there's a broadness to life, a broadness all the way through eternity. 
Then there's another road that has a broad gate, but the minute you get through that, there is a narrowing. And it narrows and narrows and narrows and narrows until there's a crushing, until there's a, there's a suffocation, and it leads to destruction. It can lead to destruction of your soul, separation from God, or it can lead, if you're a Christ follower and you're not really following, you're going the wrong way, you're on the wrong road, the wrong direction, it can lead to a crushing of your life. There's a passage where Paul talks about a Christ follower that uh, has not, uh, in a sense, traveled in the right direction, been on the right road. He says their salvation doesn't hinge on their behavior. But what he does say is they escape the fires by the skin of their teeth. And the idea is that you escape the fires of hell, you just get through, there's actually the smell of smoke on your clothing. Because again, our actions do not determine our destiny. And that's why, why the roads uh, lead there. Uh, first, we see that the broad is the gate for works. On the broad road, on the broad gate, you get through and, you're, and it's getting narrow. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to earn your way to God. You're trying to live in such a way that, that people owe you and that God owes you. And as you continue down that road, it constricts, it constricts, it constricts. And if our relationship with God is based on our works, based on our actions, where is that tipping point? That is a constricting way to live. It's like the uh, student that needs to pass the class with a, with a 70, which seems, oh, that's not too bad. And, and they need to pass it. That's the tipping point. The person who gets a 70 passes. The person who gets a 69 fails. What a constrictive way to walk, in a sense, with God. To think that if you get a 70, you're in because you did enough good. You fought your way into heaven. But if you get a 69, you're out. Doesn't matter. 69's not good enough. 70 is. But you see, that's not the, the way that uh, Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about a smaller gate, a smaller entrance. He fights for us, and we get to the other side. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 speaks of this. It says, I mean that you've been saved by grace because you believe. You did not save yourself. It was a gift from God. You are not saved by the things you've done. There is nothing to boast about. When you and I are, are going, starting through the broad entrance, it's a gate for a life of works, trying to earn our way to God, never knowing where that tipping point is. And the realization is you and I can never live good enough. That's the reason Christ came. But to start that walk, to start down that road, begins with a narrow gate. And the narrow gate is the gate for grace. So Jesus does a little twist in here. Some of us who have grown up going to church thought that this was about good people versus bad people. And it's really much more than that. It's about a spiritual approach to life. It's about the idea that I begin with grace at a limited gate, and then as I walk through that, life broadens. Life has 
wide space. It's the promised land, if you will. Someday there'll be eternity. And then there's the other way that's broad, that's big. And you enter that in, and it's about, in a sense, being a good person, but it's about earning your way. It's about making sure you don't get a 69, but a 70. And then at the end, realizing that even a 70 doesn't cut it, and it constricts life. Those of us who have said yes to Christ need to make sure that we're not living that kind of life. That kind of life says that, you know, I'm, I'm better than others. I'm judgmental, not discerning. We've gone through all of that. You see the parallels between the Pharisees who were basically good people most of the time. Yes, there were some scoundrels. Yes, there were some bad people. But for the most part, they were good people. It's just that they were trying to earn their way, fight their way rather than accept the fact that Christ did the earning and fighting for us. The broad way leads to the narrow way. And the narrow way leads to the broad way. One of my favorite verses from Proverbs is this, because it basically says, take a look. Take a look and see where you're traveling. Look on the horizon of the road and see what is down front of you. And if you see something bad, get off the road. Watch out. This is the way the writer of Proverbs says it, Solomon. Wise people see trouble coming and get out of its ways. But fools go straight to the trouble and suffer for it. So as Jesus starts to wrap up his Sermon on the Mount, He's asking us, what is our approach to spirituality? And basically, we could break it down into, in a sense, three groups of people. The person that's trying to earn their way, go the broad way, kind of do their own thing. And the person that goes to the gate, the narrowing way, lets Christ fight, in a sense, for them into heaven. They don't have to do that. And then there's the other person, which we all, those of us who have said yes to Christ, can slide into. There's the other person, there's that uh, sometimes we do get back on the broad way, and we start traveling in the wrong direction, on the wrong road. And Jesus is saying, watch out, you'll find that that kind of life, even for the Christ follower, is constricting. And as Paul says, yes, you'll escape the flames of hell, but by the skin of your teeth. There'll still be the smell of smoke on your clothes. You'll be in, because it's not what you do, it's what Christ did. But it will be a pretty disappointing situation to show up that way. Would you please pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for the way Jesus is instructing us the way that he's asking us to pull back and reflect on our life, the same thing uh, Paul said. And we ask that you would be really speaking to our hearts right now, that we wouldn't be putting it off. And I know for some of us it's hard because there's a lot of distractions going on in our living room. But I ask that you would help us to really ask, uh, have we started on the road through the narrow gate, through Christ and Christ alone? And if we haven't, that in this moment we would say, Lord, come into my life. I need you to fight for me. I need your forgiveness of sin. I need uh, your 
death and your sacrifice to be applied to my life and also your resurrection. And then if there are those of us who have said yes, who have started through the narrow gate, I, I pray that you would help us to continue on and enjoy the wide spaces that accompany a life that's aligned with you. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. We want to thank you for joining us online uh, this morning. Uh, thanks for being with us. Also want to continue to thank you for your generosity. Uh, you can give the, the options right there on the screen. Uh, if you can help us out so we can continue to make a difference in people's lives here in our community and literally around the world. And you've been doing such a great job at that. We're really humbled uh, with your trust for that. You can do that online. You can, you can mail something in. And uh, we really appreciate that. I hope uh, you have opportunity to uh, join us with our virtual coffee time, which will be happening around 11.15. Also, there is a virtual Kid Zone Zoom in 11.45. You should have received some information from Jess about that and how to log on that. So we ask that, uh, or we hope, they're still staying connected, even though we're doing this uh, social distancing. And uh, we also ask that if you have any needs, to please uh, let us know, reach out to us. Um, you can see my email address there in hours to call the church. So we uh, hope that you're staying well, keeping well, and uh, we really pray that uh, God is blessing your life. See you next week.